Hi, and welcome to a Dad's Path podcast. We're real dads solving everyday problems. Each week, we tackle issues that dads everywhere face and deliver actions you can take right away. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode and go to adadspath.com to get our free newsletter exclusively for dads. Our goal is to help you make fatherhood count. Dad on. Hi, and welcome to another episode of A Dad's Path Podcast. I'm Will Bronstein. Today's guest, Drew Vernon, is the marketing director for Tony's, which we will tell you about in a little bit. Prior to Tony's, Drew led the U.S. preschool business for a little company called Lego. He created something called Prescription for Play, which helped physicians promote daily play between parents and children. That's going to be fun to talk about as well, since we talk about connecting and playing with our kids all the time. And then Drew also started Connecticut's first state-licensed pay-by-the-hour daycare center. So we're going to dive there as well. He's also an entrepreneur, as you can tell. We have a fun discussion coming up. Welcome, Drew. Thank you for having me, Will. It's great to be here. Awesome. Yeah, no, thanks for joining us. This is going to be fun, like I said. And I want to start with that little company, Lego, just because it's such a cool idea. Can you talk to us about Prescription for Play, what that is? And then as dads, maybe what we can learn from that, what we should be thinking about. Yeah, so I joined Lego on the preschool business and I was just doing my regular job as a marketer. And I was thinking, you know, what's a better way to reach children at the 18 month mark, which was kind of the first available opportunity to introduce them to the Duplo bricks. And I thought, well, every child goes to the doctor at 18 months for a wellness checkup. Is there a way that we could partner with pediatricians to promote play? And so I created a program called Prescription for Play in which we would send out a little prescription card and a product sample to the doctors and they would give it to the, the parents as part of the wellness checkup with the prescription that they should play with their kids for at least 15 minutes a day. And it was just kind of like an overnight success. I was hoping to get into maybe 100 doctor's offices. I went down and exhibited at the, the pediatrician's conference and I came away with that with a, a network of over 2,500 doctors that wanted to be part of the program. Wow, that's amazing. That's a huge number. So then as a dad or as a parent, you know, I'd get this Lego set and beyond what the program is, I mean, what do you sort of advocate in that realm of playing with your kids, you know, setting aside, is it daily time? Is it, is it important you're building every day or you're doing the same thing every day? And, you know, just not clinically, not from a health perspective, just from, you know, your experience, just because you've been on the ground at Lego, you know? And sure. Yeah. My experience is, is that it doesn't really matter what you do. It just matters that you spend that time together and that you're consistent. And I think really what you're trying to do is cultivate their imagination and teach them the creative process. And so that's something that I advocate for because the, the more repetition and consistency you have with playing with your kids, the more equipped they're going to be for their childhood and adolescence. Yeah, that's really interesting because, you know, we think about connection a lot and how you connect with your kids and we think about teaching. Then when you get into like the school mode, you're not thinking creatively or you're not thinking about storytelling. You're obviously thinking more academically. And I think now and especially in the future, creativity and the ability to cultivate that and have that internally is going to be more and more valuable as a job skill, you know, as a, as a life skill. Yeah, I think so. I don't know the stats, but they say that, you know, a lot of the jobs of the future don't exist yet. And a lot of them are going to revolve around emotional intelligence. And that's something that uh, I think you develop through thinking creatively, which is something that I believe that schools aren't always the best at teaching. Yeah, absolutely. 
So let's talk about storytelling for a second then. How do you cultivate it, I guess? You know, like I'll tell my kids stories, you know, before bed, not as much anymore. When they were really younger, that's what I would say. Hey, Daddy, tell me a story, you know, and make up a story or I'd have a you know fairy tale or whatever it was. How do you get them to be creative in that process? Is that important or is it, you know, they learn from you just by doing? I firmly believe that creativity loves constraints and creativity loves a framework. And so the way that I try to promote storytelling is to do it through the hero's journey, which, you know, is quite complex uh, framework. It was originally uh, proposed by a man named Joseph Campbell. I boil it down to uh, a simpler version, which is a great story has a hero that overcomes a challenge to get to a reward or an end goal. And so using that framework, and then once you're familiar with that simple framework, you can add in additional complexity. That's the basis from which you can learn to tell a compelling creative story. That's great. I like that a lot. Big fan of Joseph Campbell as well, by the way. So familiar with the hero's journey. And you're right, you can make that as simple as you made it, and that can be easily understood and then add layers as appropriate. Well, that's great. I mean, I, I love, you know, storytelling and that whole creativity process. And if we switch gears and talk about the opposite, maybe not the opposite, but screen time, right? <laughs> Something that's on a lot of dad's minds. It's on my mind, you know, because some screen time seems inevitable. It seems okay. Actually, it seems helpful for the kids to relax maybe. But by that same token, I quickly can see how it gets out of hand, you know, and becomes the sort of goal of every day. When's the screen time? What's the screen time? What would you suggest in terms of, I mean, limiting screen time? Do you do it every day, every other day? How did you approach that? How do you think about screen time? Yeah, I think about a lot. Uh, it has to do uh, with, with my job, which I think we'll probably get into. But uh, I'm amazed how much the sentiment or the behavior has changed in the last two years since COVID. Because believe it or not, the recommendation from you know different medical experts, you know pediatricians, is that you don't give your kids screen time for ages zero to two. No screen time, which I don't know if anyone adheres to that, but then an hour a day for kids two to five. And you'd be hard pressed to find a family unless it's a conscious effort. They're giving less than an hour a day to their child. Uh, and the reason for that in large part is because COVID kind of changed things with uh, shutting down schools, a disrupting childcare system, you know, and then a lot of the schools uh, pivoted to digital or remote content, which now kids a lot of times are you know, looking at screens for school and after school for entertainment. So that's uh, kind of what's on my mind. You know, I think that it does require looking now that COVID is winding down, hopefully, to take a look at some of our behaviors and to see if, if we're really giving our kids too much screen time. I think that's right on. In the midst of the pandemic, I mean, a lot of us, speaking personally, yeah, watching our kids on the screen and then them wanting their screen time was just, oh man, like this is this is what daddy does all day. I'm in front of a computer. You don't, you shouldn't be in front of a computer. You're four. <laughs> you know, it was good to have that extreme because I think that also helps see what you don't want. And you can see how it affects their energy too. I think energy levels. And that's also what I think about or what I like to think about with screen time is it's not all equal. When your kids get a little older, maybe they start, they could be playing, you know, video games or playing, you know, educational games on an iPad or something like that. But watching TV, even there, I mean, there's a Coco Melon kind of show where it's, you know, kids like a lot, but they're just kind of eyes are glazed. And then there's an educational show where they'll ask questions the kid's supposed to answer and it's more interactive. So that's the other side. I think as parents, we can do a better job of being active with the content they're consuming and saying, hey, you know, you can have screen time, but here are the confines for which, you know, you have to choose it from that sort of thing. Yeah, I agree. I think there are more passive and more active forms of TV and screen time. 
one kind of insight that was interesting to me is that most parents don't really know what their kids are watching. You might know like what shows they watch and things like that, but most parents aren't watching these programs with their kids. And so it's really important to be mindful of that and to choose, you know, programming and content that it really is, you know, on the more active side of things. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, we did a reading program on an iPad and that was like a game for them. And when was helpful in that process, you know, versus, hey, they also want to just play a game where they click a button over and over and over again and plant trees or whatever, you know, where there's no, <laughs> no education there. So um, again, yeah, being a little more active there. But screen time, I think, absolutely needs to be limited in, in our society, especially with young kids. We use it so much as a crutch and it can serve kids to maybe some level, but very quickly can get out of hand. But I want to talk about the Tony box. I want to talk about your job. Like you said, you have a job that's around screen time or rather not screen time. So can you talk about kind of what the Tony box is and, and how we can use it with our kids? Yeah, the Tony Box is a screen-free entertainment system for kids. It uses figures to play different types of content, be it songs, stories. We do meditation content, mindfulness, nonfiction content, things like that. It was actually started by a couple of dads who met on the board of a preschool together, and they saw that their children's teacher was using CD players to play different types of content. And they thought, you know, that's great and all. CDs are kind of old at this point. They scratch and they break. And most importantly, young children can't operate it without an adult. And so they wanted to create something that a young child as young as two or three could operate on their own. It is screen free. And one of the reasons for that is that when you have a screen in front of you, you're seeing the whole story. And when you remove that visualization, you actually put the creative responsibility upon the listener. And so this is helping children flex their creative muscles and their imagination muscles as they follow along with these stories they're able to picture what's going on in their own mind. I like that a lot. You know, I was looking at the product and the types of stories would resonate with my family. For example, there's Peppa Pig, there's looks like Disney ones, and it's not meant to be an ad for you um, <laughs> for, for the Tony Box, but it does look like a really cool idea. And again, if you don't want the Tony Box, you can do a CD. And I think the principle is there, though this is unique in that a child can sort of easily use it on their own. But talking about the benefits, I think, are really important, you know, just getting rid of that screen. And what we were talking about earlier, you know, how do you build creativity? How do you build that storytelling muscle? And I think that might be part of it, right, where you're listening to a story, you're not seeing it. So your brain has to be working differently versus when you're just seeing it or versus when someone else is telling you a story. You know, I mean, mixing it up seems helpful. I'd be curious. Yeah, your thoughts. Is, is that how I should look at it? Or yeah. Yeah, I would say so. And, and one thing that, you know, we really like to incorporate is, you know, it's an audio first experience. Uh, there is no screen, but it's also a tactile play experience. So this is designed for young kids, you know, starting ages, you know, two, three, four. This is when they're still developing their verbal skills. They're developing their fine motor skills, cognitive, emotional, social skills. And so this system incorporates all of that by using the figures, by placing it on top of the box, the child is in control. And so they're able to decide when the content plays, when it stops, they can navigate by giving the box kind of like a little bit of a whack that'll advance to the next track. So it's very much a, a tactile play experience. And then just your point about, you know, storytelling, I think it's really important to give our kids a lot of different stories, a lot of different reference points. And that's what we do through our content, Tony's. We also have different figures that we call creative Tonys that come blank. And this allows children to write their own songs, their own stories, their own poems, 
they can record that onto the figure and then they can play that back at any time. So it's really a combination of a consumer experience of listening and a producer or creator experience with, you know, being the author of your own story. Hmm. That's super cool. I didn't know you could do the uh, creative one. I like that idea a lot. Yeah. And each one's, I think you were saying, you know, 25, 30 minutes up to an hour. And that was about right in terms of uh, each Tony. Yeah, it depends on the different content. So our preschool titles will usually be closer to half an hour. And then we have content. We actually did a partnership with National Geographic uh, has nonfiction content that's, you know, up to an hour or longer. Very cool. Yeah, I'm going to check that out. I like this. So let me ask another question about the Tony box, and then we'll go to the creativity. I like that. Should parents be involved or how could parents be involved to get a Tony box for your kids? Or is it really a self-play kind of thing, which is quite valuable, obviously, as well? You know, based on my experience with Prescription for Play, that was all about co-play, a parent and child playing together. I think that's important to do. And parents can definitely participate along with the Tony box, but it's also an independent play device. And that's kind of one of the core benefits uh, why parents really love it is because it is something that they can give to their child to wind down before bed, or they can give it to them in the car. You know, they plug in the headphones, they can listen to a story while they drive or on a road trip. So I would say it's both, but you know, to have it be an independent play device is really uh, one of its key features. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think both is what you want in those sort of things. But let's talk more about creativity. I know that's an area you've done some deep thinking on and have some experience with, a lot of experience with. Can you talk about you know what sort of works or uh, in terms of cultivating the creative process with your kids or help us out there? How do we strengthen that muscle for our kids? Yeah, it's a great question. Something I think about a lot. And it was during my time at Lego, really, where this kind of clicked for me. And and I like to use a a Lego analogy, which is that, you know, if you go to the toy aisle and and you go to the Lego section, most of what you'll see is going to be, you know, boxes of different sets that, you know, it's a rocket ship or a castle or a a pirate ship or, you know, Star Wars or something like that. You're going to take it home. You're going to dump out the bricks and it's going to have a set of instructions here's what you do for step one, here's what you do for step two, three, up to 100. And if you follow those, you're going to have whatever you set out to create. And that's, you know, a fun type of play. It's construction play. And uh, it's something that is very structured. And then on the other end of things, you know, they do offer a few sets, the, the yellow classic buckets of bricks where you can make anything you want. You take one of those home and you build your own little ship or your own little house. And unless you're a master builder, it's probably not going to look like the instruction-based sets. And so the key to creativity, as I understand it, is bridging the gap between the two, uh, which is a completely structured and rule-based experience versus the completely open-ended experience. And in order to do that, I think we need creative prompts, and I think we need to learn the stepping stones or the skills to get to the masterpiece. I call it the guided masterpiece because it's something that takes some constraints or some guidelines. And so when we think about storytelling, instead of telling my child to tell me a story, I'll tell them to tell me a story about a raccoon that became friends with a hedgehog. And, you know, even that is just, you know, I'm making that up, but uh, I'll try to think of prompts. Sometimes I'll introduce, you know, this should be the hero or, or this could be a key event. And it's really building around a prompt that's going to give you a more robust and creative story rather than just saying, tell me a story. That's awesome. I mean, super simple, easy to implement, and I just haven't done it. But you know, you giving that idea is something that I can now try, I will try, and 
hope other dads who are listening will also try. I mean, that's a great way to help cultivate that creativity instead of just, hey, tell me a story or I've like switched off where I'll tell part of a story and say, now it's your turn, which also might, you know, is fun. But I like this idea of, like you're saying, constraints through, I think is really powerful. And then also the hero's journey where you just have that real simple structure of, okay, something bad happens and, you know, has a challenge and then gets to the other side. And what does that look like? And then again, you can overlay different layers on it, but really smart. And you can make a game out of it too. You know, sometimes it's kind of like a Mad Libs kind of thing, but uh, you, you know, write a bunch of words down on a piece of paper, gear all your, you know, nouns, your verbs, whatever, and put them in a hat and pull them out. And, you know, you can make different games out of it or, or deal with the prompts in different ways. But uh, the key is just to give them the prompt and, you know, there's no wrong answers and there's no wrong stories. And, and it's really just about being silly and making it up as you go. Yeah, those are great ideas. I'll have my dads uh, try some of those out. And if we can get some feedback, I'll, uh, I'll let you know uh, kind of what worked there. Yeah, I'd love to hear it. These are really fun ideas. The one last area I wanted to kind of pick your brain about a little bit is daycare. You started a daycare center, so you have some experience there. And that's something that a lot of us dads have trepidation about in some ways, right? I mean, just bringing your kids somewhere unknown. And we sort of know the research to do, but you know, the fear is taking your kid to a school that looks amazing and then isn't, basically. And as we look at daycares or other types of schools, what are some things we should be looking for? How would you approach that? It's maybe lesser known or like more of a kind of hack. I don't know if I have any kind of hidden gems. I think for me, I'm speaking kind of as, you know, a an entrepreneur having started daycare as well as just a dad. I think the main thing is just the people. What are the staff like? You know, are they well trained? Are they caring? Things like that. Then you can, you know, look at the curriculum. And I think, you know, I'd rather have an A plus staff and a, a B curriculum than the other way around. But the other thing is just talk to other parents. I think, you know, a, a lot of these are going to come through referrals and just uh, hearing from other parents who have been or whose children have been there. You probably won't go wrong if it comes well recommended. Yeah, I think that's right on. And that's something that I think moms do a little bit better of a job generally than dads, just to, you know, not to stereotype, but something that we can improve on is that referral idea. I mean, that's probably the most powerful way is if you find another family who's had a kid who went there. Now, of course, you know, schools change, et cetera. But if they had success, then chances are, you know, aren't bad that it's going to be you know good for your child too. So I think, you know, reaching out to your network is a really great idea. And then to your point, it's teachers, it's always the people, you know, and if the teachers aren't happy, if you get a weird feeling from them, then listen to your gut. You know, it's not about the education, especially at that age. You know, you're not preparing them for prep school tests or anything. You know, these, these are young kids we're talking about here and the skills they need to cultivate are much less on the academic side. I mean, there's more motor skills and there's skills that need to be developed, certainly, but different than the you know later academic years. So those are good ideas, Drew. I, I appreciate that. The uh, Tony box seems really cool. I am going to check that out. If it sounds cool to you guys. You should check it out too, my listeners. Uh, it's basically like a um, CD player. I mean, it's just audio, but it's one that kids can use and it's built-in content that seems really compelling. So I don't know if I described it quite as you would, Drew, but that's uh, that was my takeaway. I'm excited by it. So <laughs> Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. If anybody's interested, I would definitely recommend checking it out. And so what's the uh, website we should go to then? Uh, yeah, so it's available at tonies.com. It's T-O-N-I-E-S.com. You can also find it at Amazon, Target, Best Buy, Barnes & Noble, Pottery Barn Kids. Awesome. Well, we will check that out. And uh, Drew, thanks again for joining us. This was really an interesting discussion. We went over a couple different areas, but the creativity lens that you've shown, you know, the way you look at things is really fascinating and I think really important and will continue to be more and more important as the years go by. So 
That's awesome that you're spending your time in helping other people cultivate that. And um, again, thanks for joining us here today. Thank you. I appreciate it. And thank you for the work that you're doing. I'm a huge advocate for childhood and fatherhood. And that's my big thing is it matters. Uh, your child is only going to have one childhood. And the, the better we can prepare them as fathers, the better equipped our children will be. Love it. Yeah, that's, that's why I'm here too. Well, we have that in common. Well, thank you, Drew. Thanks again for joining us. And uh, until next time, we will, uh, we'll see you guys soon. If you liked our podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. If you haven't joined us yet, go to adadspath.com to get our free newsletter exclusively for dads. And do you know a friend who might like this podcast? Send it on. We want to help as many dads as possible make fatherhood count. Dad on.